1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, this
2: is this is this is easy work. Uh Sabonis is having a phenomenal season. Uh, I hope as, as as we get closer to the All-Star break it gets recognized more. I hope the more the Kings' two-game losing streaks don't turn into three and they beat teams like the Toronto Raptors, mm-hmm. that it's recognized more throughout the league. The beam is fun, mm-hmm. and it's fun to write about that stuff, and it's fun to talk about that stuff, and worldwide, Wobe, the beam needs batteries, all of that. stuff, Man, that's great. Shift some of that energy to these players. Shift some of that energy to what Malik Monk is doing. Shift some of that energy to what Tatumonte Sabonis, Sabonis is doing on a night-to-night basis. Shift some of that energy to De'Aaron Fox, who you set the bar for. You, as a collective, have set the bar really, really high for mm-hmm. and he's he's achieving that again.
3: Yep. yep. Do that one hundred percent. I agree with you, man. And these these guys, like you know, I, I always am hesitant to. I don't want to say give credit to you know the coaches and everybody else because they do their job. But also maybe it's more so that I don't want to forget that the guys out there on the court are still the ones getting it done. Mm-hmm. You know, and just like you mentioned, Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, Demontis Sabonis, Terrence Davis, Keegan Murray, whoever you want to talk about, regardless of the, the situations they're put in, whether good or bad, it's still their job to go out there and execute. And these guys have executed at a very high degree. Higher than we've seen in this city for 16, 17 years. And it's it's high for NBA standards, too. I think they've fallen into seventh place. But, like I said, this could look totally different. I, I'm, I know it sounds like I'm putting a lot on this. but This could look totally different January 15th. Mm-hmm. With all these home games they have, the way they play at home, the way – that they've played this year at home, it, you could be looking at a top four, top three team going into January fifteenth. Well, Will just by the way, there? the West
2: is like you yeah. could absolutely see that. Will they
3: stay there all year? I don't know, but we could be going into MLK Day with the the Kings top four in the West. Come on,
2: man. I'm sorry, I listened to everything you just said. I got a little fired up when you mentioned Lori Markkinen because one, Chicago, two. There isn't a single metric that marketing is better at than DeMontis Sabonis except for scoring. Shout out Morgan Reagan. <laughs> Stop being stat hoes. <laughs> and if you're going to, look at all of them. Mm-hmm. Assist, not even close. Mm-hmm. Rebounds. He's got him by three rebounds per game. Don't
3: even start on assist.
2: Oh, it's, it's, it's not even close. 6.4 to 2.2. Mm-hmm. How? Their their they're, they're two-point percentage is the same. Uh, Markkinen's got him a little bit on the three-point shot.
3: Devonta Sabonis has a higher field goal percentage overall than he does. What are we talking about? Laurie, Why Laurie, is he in this conversation? Because Laurie could make the All-Star game. There's no way he should make it over Sabonis. That's not a That's conversation. Fine. That's fine. That's not a conversation. If they want to be on there together, make it too, cool.
2: You can't make it instead. Yeah, absolutely. That man's an all star.
3: Yeah. What do you think about De'Aaron? Right now, it's about 22 and 5. Might get up to 20. I think 23 and 6 is where I think he could be by the time the voting is concluded and stuff. I think
2: the bar is so high for him. I think, I mean, CJ's going to make it.
3: You think CJ's going to make it? I
2: mean, the Pelicans are the top team. You sending CJ and Zion? And not sending Ingram? Is Ingram have will he have played enough?
3: I don't know CJ makes it. Okay. CJ going to make it. it? CJ having a good season. Oh, Is man.
2: Anthony going to make it? No, Anthony
3: not making it. Well, that's another one Anthony shouldn't make it over. Books going to
2: make it. Books going to make Is it. Is Chris Paul going to make it? No. Definitively? Definitively. Okay. Well, you'd have to break down the jet. Well, it, it, now these players get clumped up. Like, is, is Luca a front court player or a back court player? I'd put Which him one in, is he? I
3: put him as a front court. So that's four. No. And who knows what's going on with Steph?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Steph, but Steph She's will get voted. But Steph will get voted in.
3: Yeah. So Shay, Steph, John, ja. Shay—that's
2: the one. I was thinking who in this bottom tier of teams will make it. Shay's the one.
3: That's seven. And how many did that number? Did that breakdown say? You get the two starters.
2: Uh, well, the, well, the no, the so we go to the fourteen. Uh, two guards, three yeah. front court players, and two players at any position. Because De'Aaron's not getting voted in. No. So.
3: So, but I was two, telling, so. Two, two guards. Two voted in already. So now that's five slots, and now, you, you got, got two. You got guards, two wild cards. Too wild. He might be the. He might be the last one. Just on the outside. I mean, if
2: he keeps playing like he played last night.
3: Oh, he played like last night. He in there.
2: Oh, he's definitely in
3: there. He in there. Yeah. Hmm. But then you know, and pragmatic brings up. Man, a good can point. you imagine these things could happen? Can you Steph, imagine Steph get voted in and Yeah, not Steph's be able definitely going to play, get voted in, but not in be able right? to play. Yeah, so yeah that's for sure. The slot, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: I hope if it's one of those things, though, like if Steph, like, it's not like Steph starts in place 30 minutes, 30 seconds to appease the crowd and then sits down because that mm-hmm. takes someone's spot. Mm-hmm. Like someone could be, uh, you know, and an, it, it's an alternate. It's still an all star.
3: Yeah. Um yeah.
2: You mentioned numbers we haven't seen for the last 20 years. Sabonis, I'm harp. I'm I'm. I, I'm, I guess I'm a Sabonis stand now too. In addition, as, to a, we are. I, I, I guess I'm. I, I, I guess oh I've boy. just turned into a giant Kings fan with a radio show. <laughs> Somebody get me a ladder.
3: Come on. Did now. you
2: see what? the? <laughs> did you see the uh, the stat on TV uh, last <laughs> night? I think it was a stat news stat, so I'm sure it was on Twitter.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Twenty twenty and five games as a king. I did see that. That's crazy. That DeMontis Sabonis yesterday matched Chris Weber for the most in Sacramento King's history and Domas has played forty two games as wow. a King. Wow. Twenty twenty and five, they each have three. Ooh. And Sabonis has played forty two games as a Sacramento King. Oof. That's crazy. See, this is why this is why some of the people that cover the league are stupid. <laughs> they tried to tell you that, that 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 Tyrese Halliburton was traded for nothing. Mm. They tried to tell you that this year that Tyrese mm-hmm. Halliburton was traded mm-hmm. for nothing. And it's dude playing the way that he is.
3: Domas is about to be an all star.
2: Domas and Tyrese are both likely to make this all star team. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have changed their tones in the last handful of months. I don't think we forgot. Uh, we ain't forgot. I don't think forgot we forgot all. what you, We bookmarked all
3: your articles 100%, 100%. from the past. 100%. I don't think we forgot. Y'all was playing that boy, DeMontes. Domas.
2: That dude is so good. He's, he Sabonis is, is so good. And, the, and the
3: one thing that I like about him, one of the things that I like about him, is in situations like last night where there was nobody that could match up with him on the boards and inside. He never lets people off the hook. He domin- if you don't have a center that can match up with him and make life difficult. If if like James Ham's was saying, if you're a little light in the pants, oh oh, going up against Sabon- no Sabonis, junk, no junk in the trunk. He don't he don't let you off the hook. He's dominating the boards, and he's gonna punish you on on, on the on inside.
2: I I can't. I I've I've said this before. I can't stress this enough. If you if you get the opportunity to go to a Kings game and you could get there early enough, watch Sabonis' pre-game workout. It's it's like a sparring match. It's a straight up like he it it is work.
3: Um
2: That's one of the toughest dudes in the league, man. Uh we've joked about it, but I haven't flat out said it. You actually you you've got to step out. Yeah. Uh yeah. so it's my show now. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> It's Kenny Caraway show. <laughs> uh, Kenny's actually going to step out, but uh, our buddy Matt George, uh, kind enough to slide in. Close out Batty Thursday. Yeah. And uh, don't go anywhere because uh, we've got the best uh, pregame show in all of professional sports. we got about 11
3: minutes. Yeah, let's go. Let's take these boys out, man.
2: Let's take them out. To get you ready for the San Francisco 49ers and the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Let's cut the 13. cord on them That's
3: speakers football. they have down there at that damn field. Cut the cord on it.
2: So, Matt George joins well. me when we return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN
3: 1320. D and KC continues streaming live on the Odyssey app.
2: Live on the Odyssey app, Twitch and YouTube, as well as we mentioned, KC uh, stepped out a little early. Uh, but I'm happy to close out this Batty Thursday uh, with the host of the Locked on Kings podcast. And of course, broadcaster over at abc 10 our man matt george matt appreciate you my friend
0: kenny carraway ducking me like lonzo ball ducks deer and fox oh, man i can't
2: cold world i can't i can't handle it cold 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 world man cold world uh, i guess he's got
0: like a family and a baby or whatever
2: look no, you didn't miss a hit because you had a baby
0: of course not and i brought the baby onto the hit
2: that's true you did you did that on, on 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 several occasions and every once in a while i can catch uh Young already crying in the background of the Locked on Kings podcast, which, yep. by the way, it's a bit dated, and that's the you know kind of the tough part about on-demand content. I didn't get to talk to you following it. I probably should have sent you a note. I really like the podcast following the Philadelphia game. You kind of you, that, it, the, the podcast really centered on how the Kings' offense has gotten lost a little bit uh, on this road trip, and that's not really applicable to what we saw last night. Uh, but it, it, it's just I, I strongly encourage and I've seen people post their, you know, their Spotify year end results. And I know a lot of people who who listen to us are listening to Locked on Kings. But if there's some reason you're not on Locked on Kings yet, that's a podcast you really need to subscribe to.
0: Well, I appreciate that, D'Lo, and, and let me say something to that too. Is like I'm seeing all these people sh- posting these Spotify raps, and it's some order or some combination of of your of D'Lo and KC of Locked On Kings of of uh, Return of the Roar, Kings Pulse, Kings Beat. Like, there's so much great Kings and Deuce and Mo. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many great Kings and sports related content here in Sacramento and I think it's what's really unique about this market is how we can all coexist together and and put together a great product and do our best to support one another too often appearing on each other each other's shows so I I I I like to I mean being a part of it obviously I'm a little biased but it's it feels like in some ways like a, a renaissance of content and sports related content here in Sacramento. And I think what we were just talking about, the growth of like Sac State football and basketball, UC Davis football and basketball, it goes beyond just the Sacramento Kings who are finally getting good too. like, it it feels like a really, really good time right now to be a Sacramento sports fan.
2: It does man. And I I was, I I, I found myself getting a little frustrated a minute ago talking to Kenny, uh, which is nothing new, but Kenny didn't do anything to frustrate me. Like I, as our conversation went on, I got more frustrated Talking about DeMontis Sabonis. And I, I realize and it's a great hook and, and and I love it and I've I've said this a million times. My my I, I, I have a pretty small family. They live in the Bay Area. They're coming here December twenty-third to see the beam. Yeah. They're they're excited to see the Kings and go to the Golden One Center. They want to see that beam. The beam is a really cool talking point. It's a really great way to hook people who haven't been paying attention uh to the Kings for a long time. But we're off that now, or we should be. You need to be talking about guys like Devonta Sabonis and what he's doing for this team because my argument uh, moments ago, Matt, was Sabonis is an all-star, and we went through different bigs who can make this in the in – the, in the west in, well, not the, I guess not the Western Conference anymore, but who can make the all-star team. He is an all-star, and as we went through it, we realized it's actually relatively easy. He's an all-star.
0: Yeah, I think the beam caught everybody's attention, and Demontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox specifically should keep that attention. I could also put Malik Monk into that conversation too. But I, like I, I put out on Twitter last night and I pinned it to my profile. Like I am, I've never been more confident in saying that the Sacramento Kings will have an All Star this year. Like yeah. to me, it's 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 an absolute no brainer. Like the idea. If, if if we get to, a, even if a scenario knock on wood of the Sacramento Kings completely falling apart between now and, and the all-star game itself, which I don't think is going to happen because the Kings are about to come home for six straight after hopefully handling business in Detroit. Like, and, and then the schedule opens up pretty significantly uh, in January, a lot of winnable games in January too. Like, Regardless of of the results of those games, what DeMontis Abonis is doing right now, not just numbers wise, I know a lot of people pay attention to numbers and they see the rebounds, they see the assists. He flirts with a triple double on a nightly basis. He's putting up like 20 points a game recently. He's shooting a ridiculously efficient, like, he seems like every night it's like seven of ten, eight of 8 of 11. Like, he's just uber efficient. And uh, now his, his field goal attempts are still staying around that 9, 10, 11, 12 a game range. But his free throw attempts are going up, suggesting to me that he's being aggressive. He's just drawing fouls. And if you draw a foul and the shot doesn't go in, it doesn't count as a field goal. So he's still attempting a shot. He's just fouled in that situation. But and imagine how bonus.
2: aggressive you have to be to be the Sabonis to actually get a foul call.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I tweeted out last night as a joke, but it's also kind of true. Like, if 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 uh, Mike Brown wants De'Aaron Fox to start getting some respect and get to the foul line, he just should have Demontis Sabonis guard him for a possession. Like, it doesn't matter if they're wearing the same jersey. Just <laughs> yeah. Demontis go out there and hack De'Aaron while he's going up for a layup, and they'll actually blow the whistle and, and get De'Aaron on the line.
2: That's better but than this- our idea. We suggested they blade. De'Aaron couldn't get the call with the blood trickling down his cheek, uh, down his down his temple yesterday. Maybe if uh, Sabonis does the old Shawn Michaels, you know, blade job across the forehead, they can get a call.
0: Well, hell, that I, that won't even matter because apparently seeing blood isn't, isn't enough for an NBA official mm-hmm. to call a foul in the moment or actually pay attention to a obvious push off minutes later. And I'm sure oh. we'll, we'll get into that. But like that actually screw it. We'll get into it now. Like that play, when I was talking about on the pod last night, like I was laughing about it because like De'Aaron Fox, De'Aaron Fox is not that good of an actor. Like the man is not a stunt double. He gets, he flies 10 feet and slides across the ground. It's because he got shoved. It's not because he suddenly threw himself back and has that kind of control over his body. He's an athlete. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think De'Aaron Fox can do that. But like what irritates me the most about that play is, I, I, I mean, I can't really blame Van v- uh, Vliet, because that's how he was playing the entire night. He was mm-hmm. shoving and, and, and act, looking like a bull the entire night. So he just continued to do what he was doing. And the refs were letting him have it all night long. What pissed me off going back and, and watching that play is like the context between behind it. Like you watch the clip, De'Aaron is pushed, literally slides past the official who doesn't even look at him. Now, one person could argue, oh, the official is looking at the play. He's keeping his eye on the play. Nah, the official is given De'Aaron the cold shoulder. Why? Because that official is butthurt because both De'Aaron Fox and Mike Brown called him out on his BS earlier on in the game when they both had a valid point. And that's where I get frustrated because it goes from just being bad at your job or it goes from missing a call to intentionally not blowing the whistle and intentionally uh, ignoring an obvious foul. Like, I don't need the last two-minute report to tell me that was an obvious freaking foul. You're intentionally ignoring it because of your, because you're butthurt or you're angry at how De'Aaron Fox spoke to you earlier on in the game or because you're just trying to prove – at that point, you're just being a stubborn ass. And for a, a position where I'm not pretending NBA officials have an easy job, I'm not pretending that the NBA officials deserve the abuse that they get on a nightly basis from players or fans or coaches, whatever. They don't deserve that. They're human beings, and I know they make mistakes. But admitting your mistake versus doubling and tripling down on that just to be a stubborn jerk that's not what an impartial referee with your job is literally to be impartial. That's not what a referee does. That part pissed me off.
2: And then knowing the two minute report was going to come out the next day and say, Yeah, they missed that one. And it's again a call at the end of a Kings game that the officials missed. Clean as can be, look. Uh, right there for Van, Van Vliet, thank Fred Van Vliet. Thankfully it didn't it didn't go in. The Kings were able to you know to walk away with the victory there, man. But what a what a mess uh, that could have turned into. Uh, Matt, you mentioned that the teams coming home. I mentioned the game against Washington on December twenty third. Uh, not only are we going to be there, is my family going to be there? Uh, we want you to be there. Uh, we've got tickets for you right now. Caller number three nine one six nine zero nine. 1320. We'll get you all set up. This particular pair of tickets brought to you by Matt George. Caller number three, 916-909-1320. We'll send you to see the Sacramento Kings take on the Washington basketball team coming up uh, December 23rd. Uh, You mentioned the Detroit game. That win last night was special for a variety of reasons. It felt like it was five on eight, uh, but (laughs) You know, they got into, you know, they've had a couple of bad games in a row against New York and Philadelphia, and they got into, I think it was a 15-, 16-point deficit here that they didn't let get too far out of hand. And they fought, and they fought, despite the fact they went entire quarters without going to the free-throw line. They fought, they fought, they got themselves back in it, and they put themselves in a position to win that game at the end. And I feel like at some point, we're 27 games into this, Matt, we can dead that same old King stuff. We can dead the fear that these games are going to pile on top of each other and know that these are the ups and downs of an NBA season, but we as Kings fans just might not be used to the ups.
0: To me, last night's win was one of the more gritty Kings wins that I can remember in my entire time of covering the Kings and, and certainly during the 16-year playoff drought. And, and what... What stood out to me, I mean, all the outliers, all the reasons you listed of of being down by 16 points, being on the road, Toronto being an extremely good and composed team, that's a very difficult place to play, like no matter who you are. Um, But to me, it was the, and this is something that I give a lot of credit to Mike Brown and this entire Kings coaching staff, the adjustments that this team can make both within from one game to another or in-game is significantly better than, then I I don't know any coach other than like Rick Adelman and his coaching staff that have made adjustments this quickly. And the team is receptive to those adjustments. You know, uh, Mark Jones, I thought, explained it or called it very well when he was calling the Kings and Knicks game. That game felt like it was being played in New York traffic. That's what he said. It was just so stop and go and then uh, the, the next game in Philadelphia, again, a lot of fouls in that game, stop and go. There was no flow. There was no rhythm to the game. And that drastically affects the Sacramento Kings. Drastically affects the Kings. Because the Kings are a team that like we can see when they get going, kind of everybody gets the touches, the ball starts moving, shots start falling, the team figures it out, gets on a little bit of a vibe, and that's, that's where they're at their best. So I give credit to teams for slowing the Sacramento Kings down. But I know Sacramento has also struggled with physicality like teams that have been more physical with them, slowing them down into kind of a, a grinded out style. Sacramento has struggled with that at times this season. So they take on a Toronto Raptors team who tried to do that against the Kings. The Kings go down by 16 points. DeMontis Sabonis didn't shy away from the physicality. The Kings, De'Aaron Fox went from taking almost half of his field goals from three point range in Philly to eight of 23 shots were from three, and the rest were amongst the teeth of the defense and the paint and things like Like De'Aaron was immediately trying to be more gr- aggressive attacking the basket, and that opens up opportunities for everybody else. The Kings immediately adjusted to the physicality, did not shy away from it, and used that physicality to create transition opportunities for them. I th- thought the fact that the Kings had over 30 fast break points in that game and yet only 4-7 turnovers. That means every single time the Raptors missed, it was an outlet pass and the Kings were trying to run. They were saying, if if we can't get six minutes of just good, solid, fluid basketball without whistles, then we're going to take advantage of the five seconds at the beginning of the shot clock when we can beat others down the floor. So they created that opportunity for themselves. Those are adjustments night in and night out that made, I think, last night's win so impressive.
2: Do you think they... And maybe this isn't the case of the season. Maybe it's the case of the road trip. But you tell me, you you you, you talked about the New York game. Uh, Mark Jones using the line and feel like it's being played in New York traffic. Do you think they get, there's only so many things that they control, can control, but do you feel like they get sucked into playing the way that their opponent wants them to rather than think, the way that they want to?
0: I think the Philly game, I don't know. I think actually both of those games, maybe the New York game a little bit more um, than the Philly game. I could say that um, it still felt like the Kings were trying to play their style and trying to get things going. They just like the Kings really struggled to get within 20 points in both the Knicks and 76ers game. Like They were having a hard time putting together more than five or six points consecutively. And credit to Tom Thibodeau in the New York game, he was calling timeouts as soon as the Kings got anything going, and the New York Knicks were making adjustments. So I give credit to the Knicks. The 76ers game, on the other hand, was a a big man, a very talented big man in Joel Embiid initiating contact, playing physical, and yet... Whoever's defending him wasn't allowed to play physical, so everybody got into foul trouble, and the 76ers, who were just dreadful to watch as a basketball team, period, were allowed to go and, and, and play the game that they play the best, which is getting to the foul line. I don't know if the Kings could have done anything differently other than, you know what, you're not going to get to the foul line, we're just going to step aside and give you layups so we can inbound the ball quickly and try and get some tempo that way. But, I mean, I think the officiating definitely had an effect on both those games. I think it was the game plan of both those teams to slow Sacramento down. For sure. And then the Kings were also missing some open shots to where they couldn't really get anything going because good looks that were being created by Sabonis or Fox or good ball movement just weren't falling. We saw in the second and third quarters of the, the Raptors game last night, as soon as those shots started falling, Malik Monk started, started hitting. Uh, De'Aaron Fox was getting to the rim. DeMontis Sabonis was uh, effective in the pick and roll. As soon as one gets going, it's like, we all eat type thing. You eat, we all eat in Sacramento.
2: I thought that was such a tone setting performance for Terrence Davis. Mm. Uh, He got out there, you know, he, he gets the late nod. I know they wanted to try to give Kevin Herter a go last night. He gets the nod to start and he comes out, you know, firing from three. He cools down a little bit. I think the team as a whole kind of cooled down, but there was already that feel, all right, they've got this three-point falling already at a better rate than they had in in the last handful of games. Like, stick with that, and then along comes, you know, Malik Monk, who having three 20-point scorers last night uh, in that win, in a game that you won by one point, you needed everything that those guys had to offer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought Terrence Davis was fantastic, and then I thought everybody kind of answered the call. I was actually surprised with how little Terrence Davis played, like yeah. minutes-wise. Yeah. and that That's that's also what stood out to me is second night of a back-to-back after... De- I mean, De'Aaron, and De'Aaron played 29 minutes in Philly, mm-hmm. and DeMonte Sabonis played, I think, a little over 30 minutes in Philly. It's not like they played 15 minutes and had the rest of the night off. On the second night of a back-to-back with De'Aaron, and it's just a second game back from an injury... You got forty-one minutes out of him. You got forty minutes out of Demontis, which Savonis. is
2: kind of unusual, right? For those guys to Maybe. crack the forty, you know, forty-minute threshold is unusual.
0: But very, but that's what the Kings also needed to win, and that—that's why yep. that's why I, I love the Mike Brown uh um, uh ejection so much. Is and I've seen a lot of people talking about this ejection, and and he, I mean, it has a lot of built up from how the Kings have been officiated this year, and he finally popped and snapped, and I think that's true. But to me, the reason why Mike went from 0 to 100 really, really quick is I think Mike saw De'Aaron pick up his tech and said, oh, no, 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 like my point guard's not getting thrown out. I'm going to get thrown out because I think Mike Brown knew that if De'Aaron gets tossed out of that game, the Kings lose. Like the Kings don't win that game without De'Aaron Fox on the floor. So Mike said, I can still get De'Aaron's message across. I can pick up my guy. I can have my guys back. I'll take the fine. I'll go sit and watch this game in the back. i got confidence in Jordy and the rest of my coaching staff that they can pull this out, and I'll keep my my point guard on the floor, and hopefully he'll get a little better treatment. Now, of course, he really didn't for the remainder of the game. But, I mean, I thought that was tremendous leadership by Mike Brown to recognize, one, this is my opportunity to finally voice the frustrations that I've had building forever, and two, I think I need to do this to protect my guy. Uh, And that's, I mean, you talk about the respect that Mike Brown has in the league. It's little things like that. Plus what stood out to me, D'Lo, and and maybe this isn't surprising to a lot of people. Maybe this is pretty common in coaching circles. I don't know because I'm not an NBA head coach or a basketball coach. But Jordy gets his first career win, right? And we see that video of the celebration in the locker room. Who's in the background yep. during that celebration? It's Mike Brown. Yep. Just as happy as everybody Throwing else water
2: on him, Just like everybody else is.
0: And does Mike Brown step up? Does Mike Brown get in the way? No. He lets Jordy address the team. He lets Jordy give the speech. He gave the keys to Jordy in that moment. That was Jordy's moment. He said, I got ejected. I did what I had to do. He got his win. I'm going to step aside and let my, my lead assistant handle this. Like That, to me, speaks to everything that Mike Brown is. And that's why these players, these coaches, now these fans, are such big fans of his.
2: Yeah, that moment really stood out for me, too. We brought that up here. And there were actually a couple of moments uh, that stood out to me. And they all center around the coaches. That was one of them. Uh, the fact that immediately following the game, Malik Monk on the broadcast and uh, Demonte Sabonis first up in 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 the press conference both said something along the lines of "We had to go out there and win that for Mike," and then as Sabonis is talking, he brings up a speech from Doug Christie, and all in this one point win after a two you know after a, a, a road trip that's. That's not going its best. A game that was just a disaster. Your point guard is bleeding. You're frustrated. Your coach gets tossed. All in that moment, you come together. You get a win. Jordy gets his first win. You mentioned Mike Brown celebrating. Sabonis brings up uh, Doug Christie. Malik brings up Mike Brown. And it's uh, you just you just you 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 turn the TV off last night, or you head to your you no know, Locked On Kings podcast and go, man this this is a close knit unit. This is a this is a group that is out for each other, and this is the first time in a very, very, very long time that something like that can be said.
0: And I'm sure there was already a pre-existing respect between this coaching staff and these players, but you can see how that respect has blossomed in such a short period of time, and it's easy to understand, especially from the player perspective. I mean, I got Mike Brown, who's so well-respected as my head coach, his backup is Jordy Fernandez, has freaking um, Jay Triano, has Leandro Barbosa, who still looks like he can shoot or suit up and drop 20 Easy. on any given night. Yeah. And he works hard. Uh, like you talked about Demontis Sabonis getting beat up pregame. Typically, Barbosa bounces around and kind of helps with everybody's drills, and he puts a shot or a hand in shooters' faces like he's trying to make sure they don't get a good look, and he's also trying to pick their pockets. Like he, They play one-on-one before games start. There's a reason why those players are sweating. It's not just hot in that building. They're working, and Barbosa puts them through that. Uh, Doug Christie out there as well. Like this coaching staff top to bottom is so tremendously impressive that while I'm not saying I want Mike Brown to be ejected on any given night, I have more than enough faith in Jordy and the rest of that bench to handle their job. Everybody knows that, that what their roles are top to bottom in that organization. That was something that Mike Brown preached in his introductory press conference. He said, everybody needs to know their role. Everybody needs to be on the same page. That's how we change the culture uh, of, of this organization. And it seems like everybody top to bottom has truly bought into that. It's even, even Monty McNair in the front office.
2: Ask you a Jordy question, a coaching question. I'm, I'm curious if you noticed this and what you thought of it. He went to Rashawn during mm. the game, and we haven't seen a lot of Rashawn, and I think there's multiple different ways uh, that you can look at this, but what did you think of Jordy going to Rashawn after he took over?
0: Uh like part of me was like, oh, this is different. This is the Jordy Flair. But also at the same time, it's like I don't think Jordy Fernandez was going. I got my opportunity. Now I'm going to change Mike Brown's rotation and show him what he should be doing. Like I don't, I don't believe that was the situation at all. I think it was. I mean, maybe a little mat. <laughs> excuse me. Maybe a little matchup based. Like the Kings, uh, Chimezi Metu wasn't bad necessarily, but that team is such a physical team that Metu. I don't remember. Much of what Metu did, which maybe was kind of the point, he wasn't mm-hmm. really having that much of an impact. I think Alex Len could have been very valuable to the Kings last night if he was actually available to go. Yeah. Um. So, like, I'm I'm okay with Rashawn Holmes getting some run. I'm a big believer in Rashawn Holmes. Still, mm-hmm. I think he's having a really hard time finding how he fits. And the reality is, maybe this Kings team just doesn't run the way or play the way that maximizes Rashawn's skill set on one hand I expect Rashawn to have the ability to adapt his game to to make it work when he gets that opportunity but at the same time if you are a very specific archetype of a player who thrives in like pick and roll situations and thrive playing next to Tyrese Halliburton and thrive with that push shot but you're now playing in an offense where the ball is primarily running through your center as a distributor in the high post yeah, I understand those are very different things and may be difficult for a player of who doesn't necessarily have that skill set who wants to play in a completely different way. So if if the, if the Rashawn is ready to go and if whoever the coach is thinks that Rashawn can give them a boost, I have full faith in them. And I think Rashawn, uh, what I love the most is that picture that we saw of the beam team after the win. And there's yeah. Rashawn in the background with a big smile on his face. And uh, like, there's... No way, I'm sure Rashawn is not happy with his scenario. He's not happy with his situation. But you wouldn't know it by the way he interacts with his guys. We haven't heard anything. We haven't seen any complaints, which is very different from years past. Um, so I, I will always support Rashawn getting minutes.
2: It stood out to me right away that Rashawn was out there. I thought, oh, all right, little Jordy call. This is this is cool. It's different. And then I I, I realized looking back at the Philly game, he played minutes in Philly. Mark Jones, I think, uses the line, there's no such thing as garbage minutes in the NBA. They mean something to somebody. Rashawn played really, really well in those minutes, and it drew me back to Chemezi Metu against Golden State. Golden State up big, Chemezi Metu a part of the run that helps, you know, get that game closer, but Metu had had some DNPs there. At that point. And I wonder if now after that Philly game, if it was like, hey, we've gotten a little look at Rashawn. And I don't mean to frame it if I am like he didn't. It's not like he played big minutes yesterday. He played a handful. He played like three. Chamezi Metu played four. Like there wasn't minutes for those guys yesterday. But I did think maybe he showed this staff something, and it was a conversation they were having well before the game about what Rashawn Holmes had did against Philadelphia. You mentioned a second night of a back-to-back. Maybe hey, maybe there's a situation where we could use him a little bit more moving forward.
0: And I still do believe that Rashawn is a massive asset to have on your bench that you can point to and go to in the same way that KZ Paula is. Now, Rashawn has shown more at the NBA level than KZ Paula has, but I have a specialist in KZ Akpala when I need a lockdown defender out there. Maybe there's an offensive drop-off, but when I need to get a stop, I need some length, KZ, you're my ace, getting there. So Rashawn Holmes, if I need energy, if I need fast break verticality, if I need a lob threat, even though he hasn't shown that nearly as much as Chemezi Met, who has, which is a bit perplexing to me, mm-hmm. um, like Rashawn is available, and he's more than capable. Uh, and I know largely because of Rashawn's contract – that there isn't, and there wasn't much of a market for him trade wise during this offseason. I don't know if that's going to change or, uh, or not before this NBA trade deadline, but I guarantee you 29 other teams in the NBA could use a player like Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn does provide value, he does have value. The seasons that he put in Sacramento to earn that starting spot and to get uh, that contract that he earned weren't just flukes, weren't just misnomers. Like that is who Rashawn Holmes is. Maybe he is just a very specialist player that needs the right system and needs the right guys around him to maximize himself. And if that's who he is, welcome to the NBA. There are a ton of role players who are that exact same way, especially big men. So there's a place for him in the league. And I trust that the the overall collective basketball IQ and experience of that coaching staff to find out when, if at all, to use Rashawn effectively.
2: Uh, One player I do not think we have mentioned one single time today, I honest to goodness don't even know if we've said his name, is Keegan Murray. Yep. Keegan did not have a, like a big scoring output last night, but I thought he had moments where he was really impactful. I thought the few plays that he made were really, really timely. He hit a, a three that they desperately needed – uh, in the fourth quarter, and he's he he's a guy who I think uh despite this you, you, you know the, the those two games not going well, I think he's a guy who's kind of regained his form, kind of regained his his balance a little bit here, and is playing really well and on nights that he's not shooting well or scoring a lot, he finds ways to be really, really effective and I thought he did that last night
0: I pointed this out on my pod. Keegan stays making really important plays in big uh, or in important situations Mm -hmm. like fourth quarter plays. He just makes whether it's a big shot when the Kings need it or like you talked about that three, that came at the end of a really nice stretch for him. I think he had a layup then next, the next possession down the floor. I think they were trying to get the ball in the paint to, I want to say it was uh, Pascal Siakam. And he got involved and knocked that ball away and was credited with a steal and then had the three as kind of the final part of that trifecta. Overall, 10 points, not the best shooting night for him, shot under 50% or 40%. Like, it's not a night with the sexiest stat line that's going to get him a lot of run. But what that says to me is that this rookie is a gamer. Like, he knows when he can make an impact and how he can make an impact. And there's a reason why he is consistently on the floor for this team, even on a night where he's not putting up big numbers and, and hitting a lot of shots or is even that big of a threat to to opposing defenses, it doesn't matter. Keegan Murray is out there because he's a smart player, and he knows how to make an impact in the little opportunities when he needs to. And those little things that he does, forcing that one turnover that leads to a fast break, opportunity that puts the Kings up by five instead of by three. Like, those little things add up to where you pull off a one-point victory on the road against a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. So, Keegan, I mean... Could he be doing more to impress me? Absolutely. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not just trying to to pretend that everything's okay when he doesn't have great shooting nights, and that I would love for him to have 16-point nights instead of 10-point nights like he did last night. But he still finds ways to be impactful outside of the box score, and typically you don't see rookies do that this early on in their careers, even if he's an older rookie.
1: Yeah,
2: here's the thing, though. Everything is okay if he doesn't score the amount of points. Like, he's 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 he is proven he can be uh, an impactful player uh, for this team at at various different degrees. Uh, What does a three and three road trip say to you about this team? Should it happen? They have another game to win and they need to. They're better than the Detroit Pistons. They need to beat the Detroit Pistons. But what would a three and three road trip tell you about this Sacramento Kings team?
0: I think it's monumental given the context, like given into or going into the, the the road trip. I said the goal should absolutely be three and three and a an ideal scenario would be four and two. I thought five and one and six and oh, of course that would be fantastic, but we're talking like best case scenario at that point and you have to play near perfect. Like, and it's not just a road trip. It's not just six games on the road. It's six games where you're gone from home for over two weeks. You're in the East Coast in December. Like it, it's a complete... You're jumping around from market to market, a lot of distractions out there as well. Like these road trips are nothing to be to roll your eyes at. Like these are significant no matter how much luxury they're traveling in or what five star hotel they're staying in, right? So for me, given the context of you're one and two to start the road trip, and then you're down sixteen in Toronto, you come back and win that game, and then you handle your business in one of the games that you should handle your business, hopefully, in Detroit, absolutely the expectation is they should win that game. And and kings of uh, of old would go into that game maybe with a little bit of a swagger. Or this we here uh, look at us here we are we're um, we're we're way better than this team and we don't have to give our all. And look, the Detroit Pistons are a team where they have enough talent to where they can explode on you on any given night. Hell, we saw the Kings do that to other teams when they were a bad team last season. Suddenly they rattle off 130, 140. Yeah, points. Detroit had and
2: 140 yeah. last night.
0: Yeah, Killian Hayes played super well last night, not to mention Cade Cunningham, Marvin Bagley, if he's capable of playing more than ten minutes without hurting himself. Like
2: that was like, uncalled for. He because it appears that he's not. And I hope he gets healthy, but he he did get hurt last night.
0: Sadiq Bay, like there's so much talent in Detroit that yeah. you can't take lightly, but you absolutely should beat. And if you're able to do that, rattle off a three and three road trip, come home, and then you're staring at six straight at home where you've had a lot of success against teams that are good. But teams that are also beatable, like that, to it's, me, and that that's context- the thing.
2: Charlotte's not good, and and no. that's and that's the difficulty. like you, you, you got Detroit and Charlotte coming up. Those teams are not those 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 I I think are the two worst teams in the league. Not just two of the worst teams. I think those are the two worst teams in the league, and those are your next two appoint- opponents. You got the Los Angeles Lakers coming in. I really don 't know what you get from the Lakers on a night to night basis there's obviously an extreme level of talent there, but you just don't know how it all gets put together uh, on a night to night basis and the wizards they're you know they they, they had kind of hovered around that five hundred mark and they're starting to sink you know a lot of people had looked to and and us included at this six game road trip how potentially seizing defining it is man Matt, this next month at home might be the season-defining moment. Like, is this – how real is this, you know, coming up? Like, can you reel off three, four wins against uh, against teams that you are significantly better than?
0: First off, shout-out to the chatty house. I forgot that Cade was out for the season. Completely uh, spaced my mind. Yeah, that's uh, fine. Number two – sorry, I don't watch Detroit Pistons basketball. Uh, number two <laughs> is, uh, like – just like we were talking about with the beam, getting their attention and the beams kind of the fun story, but now you need to pay attention to the players. Like this is the real opportunity for the Kings to go. Okay. You're, you're paying attention to us a little bit. Now we're going to keep your attention now. Okay. You're, you're listening you're watching now watch this. Like, that's what I look at this next stretch. Like I look end of December through most of January. This is a, a potential for, I think this, this Kings team to make a believer out of a lot of people and many of whom are Sacramento Kings fans who are just still a little bit skeptical. Why? Because it's the Sacramento Kings. Mm-hmm. Like, this is your opportunity to to kind of get rid of that, brush that under the rug a little bit, cement your two all-star candidates into Montes Sabonis uh, and De'Aaron Fox. Hell, maybe make it a runaway for Malik Monk winning sixth man of the year. Whatever it is, like, this is your opportunity to really separate yourself. And what I think is is even more important than that, D'Lo, Is building yourself a safety net that I think you're going to need in the Western Conference or at least a little bit of wiggle room in the Western Conference that when you get to the grinded out months of February and March and early April, especially if the West continues to be as tight as it is, there are some veteran teams and some veteran programs who are going to recognize, okay, seeding is everything and it's winning time. And one or two games could be the difference. One or two wins can be the difference during that time between you being a play in team and you being a legitimate playoff team, like a sixth or fifth seat. So that's, that's what this, this stretch, this opportunity presents the Sacramento Kings is getting your work done ahead of time, taking advantage of playing at home and also keeping the attention that you have earned on you.
2: I love it. If you haven't added uh, locked on Kings to your uh, podcast, listening habits uh you're missing out uh it's a fantastic podcast it's fantastic work uh from our man uh, matt george of course you can check it out check him out on abc 10 as well matt thanks for uh keeping me company while uh, kenny steps out a little bit early but the show's not over an eight minute edition of game day coming up here as we get you ready for 49ers and seahawks next here on sacramento sports leader espn 1320
3: d and KC continues streaming live on the Odyssey app.
2: It's an extended edition of D-Lo and KC just without the KC. In fact, it's a 49ers game day edition of D-Lo and KC presented by Lasher's Elk Grove Dodge in the Elk Grove Auto Mall and online at elkgrovedodge.com. Of course, the San Francisco 49ers are taking on the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle tonight. Thursday night football, a chance for the 49ers to clinch the NFC West. just The 49ers are playing incredible football. Their defense uh, is playing on an incredible level right now. And the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo has stepped in following the injury to Trey Lance, and now Brock Purdy, who is active tonight, has stepped in uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo. Really, it's I, I know, hey, it's just one game. It's really a game and some change. Uh, and, and it's really a game and a good amount of change because he came in and beat the Dolphins and started the next week, got the win there against Tampa Bay. Defense, again, incredible. And that's the story, to me, of the San Francisco 49ers. If the San Francisco 49ers are good enough to win a Super Bowl, it's because their defense is good enough to win a Super Bowl. Now, the kicker to that is what happens on nights like tonight. Can that 49ers defense hold up on short rest? Can that 49ers defense hold up on a short week on the road? Again, you know, after giving up only seven points uh, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, seven kind of cheap points uh, as it is. But can they hold up, and what will you need from your quarterback in order to get the dub? It's a tough task. Thursday night on the road uh, is a tough task. But, you know, Kenny kind of alluded to this earlier as we were talking about it, as we were talking about this game. If Brock Purdy performs tonight, if Brock Purdy performs well, and he's performed well, he's performed in a way I thought Following the Miami game, you know, asking Brock Purdy, hey, just don't go out there and make mistakes. You've got playmakers in Christian McCaffrey who who we have seen multiple times this this season prior to the injury. You've got playmakers like Debo. Hey, reminder, George Kittle is still on this roster. Brandon Ayuk has come a, has become a a, a major playmaker uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Jawan Jennings is a great go-to guy. Like you have a lot of You got a lot of weapons. You got a lot of toys at your disposal right there. If you're if you're if you're Brock Purdy and the argument coming in was, hey, just don't make mistakes. Don't turn the ball over. Essentially, it was a belief that's all you were asking Jimmy Garoppolo to do. Don't come in and make mistakes. And during the win streak that's now at six, Jimmy Garoppolo had done a really good job of that through four of those games. He'd done a great job of that through four of those games. And Brock Purdy has done a great job of it now as the time that he's been under center uh, as the quarterback. I think the biggest wild card in all of this in in tonight's game is less the Thursday, less on the road, though I believe those are both major factors, but the fact that Seattle's desperate. Seattle's playoff hopes essentially right on this game. You know they have a couple of things working in their favor. I mean it's not it's 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 absolutely not over for them uh if they lose this game to 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 San Francisco tonight. But now you're you 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 have a certain element of control if you're Seattle and you win tonight. And they've got a tough schedule ahead too, but you look ahead to just this weekend and you got the the the, the Giants and the Commanders. Again, and assuming that that game doesn't end in a tie, again, yo, you you've got an L right there and you've opened the door up for Seattle. So that's one of the biggest that's that's that to me is one of the the the, the biggest things to watch tonight in this game is Seattle's a little bit wounded and they're desperate. They're desperate to get a win tonight against the division rival at home. They're desperate to get a win tonight against the division rival at home, who oh by the way is starting their third string quarterback. And it's impossible to not think about what the hype will be like if 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 the 49ers win this game. Look at look at Seattle's schedule moving forward by the way. It's San Francisco tonight. It's at Kansas City. It's the New York Jets. And that's of note because Robert Sala on that team, they're probably going to be fighting for a playoff berth themselves in that second to last week of the season. And then you got the Los Angeles Rams there. I'm pretty comfortable in saying that last game of the season on January, that ain't going to mean nothing for the Los Angeles Rams. Whether it means something for the Seattle Seahawks may very well mean be, be determined by if they win tonight. Because, again, you've got two really tough games after tonight against Kansas City though you got the little you know you got you got the time to get ready for it that's actually a christmas eve game and then you got New York after that the New York Jets after that i think it boils down to this San Francisco 49ers defense is the best defense in the league i have a tremendous amount of respect for Pete Carroll i have a tremendous amount of respect uh, for the the Seattle Seahawks and what they've been able to do this year. I think they were written off before the season started, minus Russell Wilson. Of course, that's completely understandable. Uh, I think Geno Smith has been written off for years. I think he's done a fantastic job. I think Geno Smith is one of the best stories in the NFL this season. But I think when push comes to shove, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, man, that team is locked in. On that side of the ball, that secondary does his job. If that secondary does their job, Nick Bosa's—he's—you know—Gino's going to feel Nick Bosa tonight. He's going to see him. Fred Warner, Eric Armstead, that whole crew, and I think—I think that's what it comes down to. I also don't think the game is going to be pretty. I think if you're a 49ers fan, you're going to love it because you're just going to be rooting on your team, sitting on the edge of your seat. If you're a casual football fan, turning into Amazon Prime tonight. I kind of feel like this might be a tough watch. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. We might see the punters a lot tonight. Because I don't think Gino's going to make a lot of mistakes. I don't think Gino, even against that defense, is going to put his team in a compromising position. I think we could see the punters quite a bit. And I do, if I'm forced to make a prediction. Man, I can't make a prediction. That's not my job. My job is to just talk about the game. I can't make a prediction because I honest to goodness don't know who's going to win this game tonight. So much is on the line uh, for Seattle. I just can't write them off. But it's hard for me right now the way they've been playing to see that defense, to see that San Francisco 49ers defense fall short. Even in a low-scoring game, it's hard for me to see them uh, fall short. Uh, appreciate you so much for being with us. Uh, Not just the last eight minutes on this 49ers game day presented by Lasher's Elk Grove Dodge in the Elk Grove Auto Mall and online at elkgrovedodge.com. But all day, Kenny will be back with me tomorrow at noon. Uh, We hope that you are as well. Enjoy 49ers football here on Sacramento sports leader ESPN
1: 1320. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,